is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 138, for Monday, the 2nd of December, 2013. The mid-season finale is now over, and we yeah, are... Yeah, that, that happened like yesterday. It, it sure did. We are here to talk about it, to recap it, to read your holy crap, did you see that moments, all the usual stuff. And I know everyone wants to get right into that, because why would you want to wait, really? Yeah, who wants to hear us talk? Nobody wants to hear us talk. Let's get to us talking. Well, the first thing I have to do, Jason, is wish you a happy National Mutt Day. Mutt Day. Mutt Day, exactly. National Mutt Day was created to raise awareness of the plight of mixed-breed dogs in shelters around the nation and to educate the public about the sea of mixed-breed dogs that desperately await new homes. Wow. I like mixed-breed dogs. I've never had a, a dog that was a purebred. I didn't know you've ever had a dog. Yeah, well, the last dog I had, her name was Farrah Fawcett Miles. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> yeah, uh, she was the daughter of Burhead. <laughs> what kind My, of a dog was Farrah Fawcett? Uh, she was a uh, poodle Labrador. Oh, that was probably a nice dog. It was a nice dog. She was great. I like the mixed breed dogs, too. I have never had a dog, though, in my whole life. No, a poodle terrier. Sorry, not a Labrador. Poodle uh, terrier. All right. Well, um, if you are thinking about getting a dog, maybe consider a mixed breed. Apparently, they live longer. That's what I've heard. They're healthier. Well, when we were moving to Alberta when I was a kid in about grade three, uh, we couldn't take the, the Farrah with us, so we had to give her away. And the last I saw her was when my parents took her to go live on a farm. And that sounds like a euphemism for we killed the dog, right? Well, how old were you? I was uh, I was in grade three. So, so probably. No, I confronted my mom many times over the years about this, and she uh, she is adamant to this day that, uh, no, she went to live on a farm and lived a long and happy life on uh, on the farm. Well, I, I hope for Farrah Fawcett Miles' sake that is true. Yeah, me too. She was a good dog. Good dog. Well, I've never had one, but my kids are bugging me once in a while to get a dog. Uh, I just think, uh, which which will happen someday, but they're a little too young, I think, so. You should get a dog. Dogs are great. They're okay. I need a hypoallergenic dog, and I don't want one that's too big. I have a lot of dog criteria, so get we'll see. Get a poodle terrier. They are hypoallergenic. Yeah. Are they are they big? Probably not that big. No, she wasn't. She was knee-high. Knee-high to a grasshopper? Knee-high to me right now. Oh, well, that's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> She had puppies too. She used to she used to go out into the neighborhood and get knocked up by uh, some neighborhood dogs, and then she would have puppies every once in a while, and they were the cutest things ever. I used to come home from kindergarten and sit in the middle of the puppy area, and all the puppies would jump on top of me, and it was some of the happiest memories of my whole life. <laughs> Doesn't that sound adorable? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was awesome. The puppy area. Yeah, we had to fence off a puppy area. All right. And then we, they gave, we gave away the puppies, but just sitting amongst those puppies and them getting all excited that I was home and jumping on top of me and nipping at me and barking all excited. Yeah, absolutely. Happiest yep. memories of my life. Sounds absolutely adorable. But anyways, let's uh, let's move on to what people really want to hear about. But happy National Mutt Day, and uh, everyone who has a mutt or a dog, you know, pet it for me. Yeah, give it a scratch behind the ear. They like that. There you go. Okay, Jason, let's jump right in. Let's okay. jump right in to Season 4, Episode 8, the mid-season freaking finale called Too Far Gone. Too Far Gone. We are going to recap it, and the cold open starts with the governor talking to his people in the camp. 
and he's trying to convince them that they need to take over the prison because he says, if we stay here, we'll die. Right. There is somewhere safer, and it's not here, is what he's trying to say. Yeah, we've got we to gotta do some stuff and, uh, you know, threaten some people to, uh, to be safe. He also explains that he has captured Herschel and Michonne. Now, we, the audience, know who they are. Of course, the rest of the people in the camp don't. But uh, he's captured them, and he now has a plan to take the prison without firing a shot or killing anybody. It's a good plan. You know, it's—I uh, guess. I, I suppose it's a good plan. I don't know how realistic a plan it is. Well, no, he's a demented, uh, you know, psychopathic ki- killer. He's The plan is crap. But he, you know, do you think he really genuinely wants to try to take this prison without hurting anyone? Does he actually believe that this plan will execute the way he thinks it does? It thinks it will in his mind? No. Well, I mean, yes, I think it will uh, execute the way he uh, thinks of it in his mind, but I don't think what is in his mind is what he's telling those other people. Okay, I see. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows who's who he's up against. He knows that they are not going to give up without a fight. They didn't last time. They're not going to do it this time. He's uh, he's spoiling for a fight. He knows that they're all going to have to die. And obviously, he's just trying to lie to these poor people and convince them to do his bidding. And obviously, um, there's only it's not like there's less animosity between him and everyone in the prison. If anything, there's lots and lots more. So yeah, you know things are not going to go down so well. But while he's convincing everyone in the camp that this is what they have to do. We are intercut with the governor standing outside the prison when he's discovered Michonne and Herschel out there. And uh, so they're out there burning walkers. We see them pouring gasoline on a big pile of dead walkers to light mm-hmm. them on fire. Um, and uh, suddenly the governor jumps out from behind a tree, smashes Michonne in the face with the butt of his gun, I guess. And uh, Herschel pulls a gun but drops it because the governor has the upper hand on him. Uh, I just want to say for the record right now that I never want to be smashed in the face with any part of a pistol. Well, <clears throat> pistol or really much, to be honest, other than maybe Nerf football. But Well, no, I'm just saying specifically uh, I, do, I never want to be pistol, pistol whipped. <laughs> okay, that's good. What about smashed in the face with a newborn puppy? Well, that would be cute. Sounds like that's happened to you before. That sounds painful for the puppy, but uh, <laughs> it'd be okay, okay with me. Puppies are soft. They are soft. Um, so that we, uh, we go to the opening credits after this, but I want to talk about this just for a second. Two things about this scene bothered me a little bit. Okay. Uh, even though I think it was okay. Um, first of all, do they really need to use that much gasoline to light a giant pile of walkers on fire? Doesn't hurt. I, uh, sure it doesn't hurt, but they're all wearing clothes. They're all wearing burnable stuff. Why not throw some kindling in there or something like that to get it going? Why waste the little gas that you have? Yeah, that's probably true. But, you know, what are you going to do? You, you want to get, it's it's not like it's a pleasant bonfire that you want to start from a smoldering little thing and, you know, coax it into life and sit around and, mo- you know, roast marshmallows or hot dogs for the next eight to 12 hours that it would take to burn all these bodies in a nice, uh, you know, big inferno. Or do you just want to, you know, pile them up and dump some gas on there and get the hell out of Dodge? I guess you just want to get a big rager of a fire going and then... Get, get back to safety. And then leave it to burn the nearby trees, because uh, there were some nearby trees. Yeah, it wasn't that big of a clearing. No. Um, and the other thing is, um, was it really... Did it strike you as out of character for Michonne a little bit to have let her guard down so much that the governor could basically sneak up, 
jump out from behind a tree and take her out. I, I feel do. I feel like she's always the one who's always on alert and uh, always got her guard up. And I know things seem to be at a good place for everyone in the prison, so maybe she's let it down a little bit. But they it kind of felt too easy for me, for the governor to take them like this. I don't think so. I, I think that uh, Michonne has let her guard down because of a number of specific things. One, she's only been fighting walkers for the last four or five months, and they're slow and loud and easily identifiable and don't sneak up behind you, sneak up on you behind trees. And two, uh, she firmly believes the governor is gone. The trail is cold. Uh, he is gone for good and that she'd never see him again. And three, uh, in the last episode, we saw her when she was hanging out with Herschel. She was all smiling and happy. She's in a happy place. She's not in a uh, a cold, watchful, uh, you know, freaked out, kind of looking behind every tree kind of place. Right, but that's what I mean. Like, I, I get that she's probably let her guard down a little bit, but this is a dangerous world. And I think if anybody would kind of keep her wits about her, it's Michonne. And it feels like that sort of was almost like a convenience factor so that the government, uh, the government, why do I keep saying that? The governor could take, <laughs> I, I said it last to podcast too. Anyway, so that he could, he could take them easily enough. I don't know. It's not a, it's not a big thing, but I felt like it was a tiny bit out of character for Michonne. I disagree. I think it was perfectly plausible and well within the realms of what, what I saw she's been going through lately. Right. Okay. Well, anyways, we go to the opening credits and we come back and the governor is continuing his speech. And uh, he says things like some of the people in the prison are good, but most of them are thieves and murderers. And he reveals what they did to him. He says they mutilated me, they burned my camp, and they killed my daughter. So he's opened up to these people. I guess in a way to manipulate them into doing what he wants. Absolutely. That is, sounds like a spun tale to me. <laughs> Except that we know it's true. <laughs> well, we know it's true, but, you know, he's using, you know, just enough of the truth to imply the lie. Right. That's a, good, that's a sign of a good liar, right? He's told the truth, but he's spun it in such a way that makes the prison people look like bad guys. He's And he's playing the sympathy card here. He's like, look what they've done to me. Help me sort of get back at these people, and we'll end up with a safe place to live. Absolutely. Right. Um, so Tara speaks up first, says she's in. She'll join his cause. And everybody else standing around starts to agree. Now, as the meeting breaks up, Lily comes walking up, who was not there in the meeting. I assumed he would be talking to everybody in the camp. But uh, Lily was not part of this, this discussion. And she questions the governor. He says that the prison gang are, are bad people and... Uh, and and she says, but if they're with bad people, am I with bad people too? So she's saying like, yeah. hey, this doesn't sound so cool. Are are you sure we're not the bad ones here? Didn't uh, didn't uh, the governor have this very same conversation with uh, with her daughter last episode with Megan? Yeah, am I bad? Oh, yeah, that's right. And of course, his answer to her was no. No, of course not. <laughs> You're not. You're bad. not bad. How could anyone? How could we ever be bad? You know, we're obviously doing the right thing. Well, does anybody ever ever actually think they're the bad guy? Um, it's a good point. It's a good, que- it's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm the bad guy, and that's my only frame of reference. Yeah. I, I'm sure I'm a bad guy in somebody's stories. 
<laughs> there's somebody sitting around recording a podcast right now saying, man, that Jason guy really burns me up. Well, I, I doubt it's a podcast, but I'm sure that uh, when somebody tells stories about their past, I, I am portrayed as the bad guy, and probably rightly so, but uh, not to the extent that the governor is a bad guy. Uh, no, you've never murdered anyone or anything true. bad like that, I hope. It's true. No, I've, I, can, I can say unequivocally right now I've never murdered anyone. Okay. That's good to know. Or, or knowingly. I mean, you know, if I may have caused the death of somebody, but completely unknown to me. Let's hope that's not true. Either. Yeah, I really hope that's not true. So anyways, the governor tells Lily that he loves her, but she doesn't uh, throw it back at him. She just, nope. she's kind of worried at this point. Now, we cut to inside one of the RVs. The governor has Michonne and Herschel there, and he's patching up Michonne's head from where he smacked her down with his pistol, yeah. and he's basically explaining himself. And he says again, he doesn't want to hurt anybody, but he needs to take the prison. Right. Basically, priority number one for him. Um, and uh, Michonne... Basically just pipes up, says, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I am going to kill you. Oh, and by the way, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was reminded in this scene of, uh, you remember True Lies? Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he was given that true serum, and it's like, what, you know, I forget what the, the, the scene is or the line is exactly that gets him going. It's like, what are you planning? It's like, first I'm going to kill you. Then I'm going to use your body as a shield against his gunfire, and then I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and then he does exactly that. It was awesome. You know, that's happened in, in more than one movie, too. I think I've True seen Lies it. was the first one. It was probably the first one. I, I've seen it in, in, a, in a couple films, but uh, Michonne is a little more blunt here. She's just like, I'm going to kill you. And it's that's where it ends. But Herschel cuts her off, and I think because Herschel has... He's going to try a different tactic. He doesn't want to threaten the governor. He yeah. offers that they can find a way to live together, which everyone knows is never going to work. I mean, no. I'm with the governor here. He says that... Uh, uh, he says, forget it. That's never going to work. Herschel says, you know, I think you've changed. You're a different man. And... Um, you know, the governor's like, forget it. This is the best way to do it because Rick's never going to live with me. Michonne's never going to live with me. It's just too far past those, you know, those ideas. It's too far gone? It's too far gone. Did he say the line, though? Do you remember? Uh, the line was spoken in this episode, but not by the governor. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I'm with the governor here. I mean, I, I, not You're maybe not, not in his desire to take the prison and hurt people. Uh, even though he says he doesn't want to hurt anyone, but, but you agree with his thoughts that you, they can't live together. No, I it they uh, there's no way they could live together. I mean, if they lived under the, in the same building, they would have to be separated by a thick wall. <laughs> right, and if they were roommates, they would draw a line down the middle of the uh, the apartment, and no one could go over that line. Yeah, you exactly. can't go over that line. They draw it be right through the refrigerator so that they don't share food, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. You, you, you'd, you'd need some sort of system like that. Yeah, plus murder. Uh, yeah, that's right. Don't come over this line or kill me in my sleep. That's right. Right? As yeah. long as they adhere to those rules, then maybe it would work. But I don't see that happening. No. Um, now, as the, as the uh, governor gets up to leave, Herschel appeals to him on account of his daughter's safety, saying, you know, my daughters are in there. Can't you understand? I don't want anything bad to happen to them. And the governor's cold, man. He says, I don't care because they aren't my daughters. Yeah. Cold. Right. <laughs> um, well, he's also, it's, he's full of bravado too, right? He's trying to make a point 
And I think it's just, I think this kind of thing, you ever been in the argument where uh, actual reasoning and thought processes go out the window? The whole point is to, uh, you know, to, to push a button and to just say something that is just hurtful, regardless of whether you mean it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have been in situations like that, and I, I feel um, bad for oh, being absolutely. in situations like that. But it, everyone experiences it at some time. Right, and I think that's I think that's kind of the place where the governor is coming from right now. I mean, I think that uh, what Herschel said has uh, you know made him think, but his irrational mind was uh, it was more important to him to score a point than it was to uh, to concede Herschel's point. Yeah, absolutely, and and he just he's narrow minded, right? He doesn't see any other way to approach this. Right. Regardless of, of who he hurts or what happens, even though he's talking about doing this peacefully without firing a shot, as we already said, he knows and everyone knows it's not going to go down that way. Yeah. It's just well, not... we wouldn't have a show if it did. Be like, you get out. All right. See you later. See you later. Show you... over. Have fun there. <laughs> but uh, we go to commercial and come back and the governor is now setting up Lily and Megan uh, by uh, some water, a, r- a running river, actually, because he says biters can't make it across. Um, so I guess some of the people, I, I guess the camp is bigger than those who are going to come on the assault on the prison, I guess we can call it. So he's setting up there, figuring they'll be safe while all their, while everyone else is gone. Did we see anybody else or just Lily and Megan? Well, while they're setting up, we see other people, at least a few you know, older people hanging around. But later on in the episode, when we come back to this scene, it seems like it's just Lily and Megan. Yeah. Well, I got the impression it was just those two. Yeah, but there was more than one RV when they were setting up. But then, of course, later we only see the one, so... Well, we got to... You know, they got to park the RV somewhere. They're going to get in their trucks and their tanks, and they're yeah, going to go. I suppose that's true. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess bottom line, it comes down to the governor's just trying to put them somewhere safe for a little while while they go and take care of business. Right. I'm just watching them back to the footage, watching the footage as we go along here. And there are other people. There's two other kids and what looks like an older gentleman. Right. So presumably they are there too. We just don't see them later on. So I guess he's just setting up the camp to to hang out somewhere where they can take it easy for a while until they come back and say, hey, we got this great prison we can move into now. Yeah. This, This idyllic spot where we're protected on one side, absolutely. As uh, is is out the window. Let's go to the prison where it's a known, uh, you know, walker magnet. Right, and Lily even says that. Right, she's like, if it's safe here, let's just stay. Well, she says, let's go somewhere by water, but I mean, stay here for a little while, maybe too. Why don't we go to the prison and steal their fences? <laughs> just what? Take off with the fences? Steal the fences. Come back. Build a fence. Link by link in the chain. They can take one every night for the conceivable future. Oh, well, why not? Yeah. Uh, that's that's what I would do. Is I I don't think I'd go and try and take over a prison. I think I would go and find the materials in order to uh, to build some kind of encampment. Well, it's where pretty, I want. It's pretty easy to build fences out of wood. Now, to be fair, it might be difficult to come across finished lumber in the zombie apocalypse, but maybe not. I mean, some of that stuff is lying around, and it's got to be lumber mills. Well, that's what I mean. The, you might be able to find a Home Depot or something. Okay, the next time you're driving around, uh, you're driving around town, look at how many lumber mills you find, or cement factories where they have, uh, you know, bricks piled up all over the place, 
or someplace that has uh, shipping containers. Shipping containers would be perfect. If you could get a truck with a shipping container and a, and a crane, you could build like uh, a fence that's 40 feet high all the way around. Yeah, yeah, you probably could, or just houses out of shipping containers. Exactly. You could, you could build a whole life out of shipping containers. So before we leave this scene, um, Megan is there playing in the mud. The governor goes over to say goodbye to her, and they hug it out and are very, you know, lovey-dovey with each other like a real family. Yeah. You know, he really, really seems to care for this little girl. We cut over to the prison, though. Our first scene back at the prison in two or three episodes. Yay. It's exciting. Uh, Maggie and Glenn are chatting while he rests. He's clearly still recovering from the flu. He might die still. He might, eh? He still might die from the flu. That's true. He hasn't, he's not totally out of the woods yet. Well, he's out of the woods, but I think (laughs) that uh, they could have some kind of uh, day's ex machina where he comes down and and he just dies. Well, uh, I'd be surprised. Yeah, me too. Um, He's joking about their anniversary coming up. They joke about going on vacation and everything just seems really, really nice in this scene. And frankly, I haven't seen Maggie smile bigger ever in this show than she is in this scene. She's a happy girl. She really is. Glenn seems okay, and she seems okay, and I think all the characters are feeling very happy and content in their post-illness, post-giant zombie fence-crashing incident life at the prison. It's all happy and, you know, just bunnies and top hats in that place right now. Bunnies and top hats. That's right. However, Rick is outside in the hall, and he's telling Daryl about what happened to Carol. Right. So not so many bunnies and top hats in this scene, because Daryl is upset. But I'll be honest, he responds rather well, I thought, to the whole thing. Daryl does. Yep. And uh, he's asking questions like, is this something Carol would really do? You know, are you sure? And uh, Rick says, yeah, but and Daryl ultimately goes along with it. You know, and I, I'm i not sure what to take from this scene because I think everybody was expecting a bigger reaction from Daryl here. Um, maybe a well, more... What's he going to do? Is he going to fly off the handle and start, you know, ranting and raving and throwing things on the ground and, you know, making a fuss and throwing his feces and stuff like that? Well, he's not a monkey, but uh, I think that's what people were expecting. They were expecting a bigger reaction, probably not like a temper tantrum like you're describing but (laughs) more of a like how dare you how could you do that you know carol was my friend and he wouldn't you know i was thinking he wouldn't necessarily be able to see the facts of it he'd be clouded a little bit with with carol being cast out kind of unilaterally by rick whether or not he would later come around to agree with him or understand you know exactly what happened i think People expected his initial reaction to be a little bit more knee-jerk. And, you know, maybe Rick would take a punch. They'd have to, you know, fight it out or something like that. But none of that happened. And I'm glad none of that happened because it just shows Daryl's actually a pretty level-headed, smart guy um, when it comes down to it. He could be in shock, too. When you get to surprising or upsetting news, you just accept it at first, and then you think about it, and you go, eh, I can't really reconcile somebody killing and burning two people with somebody who called me Pookie. <laughs> yeah, that would be tough, right? I mean, and they've always been close, and that's why people expected a bigger reaction. But um, they decide that Tyrese is really the one they have to go tell, so they go to find him and let him know. So... That might be where the big explosive reaction happens, but we'll see. Yep. Um, 
And uh, But before we see that, we get Bob sitting alone in a hall. Looks like he's kind of falling asleep. Sasha comes in and thanks him for treating her and all the sick people. Yeah. But Bob is, uh, he's not very good at taking a thank you. He doesn't seem to want any of the credit here. No, he's, uh, I'm similar. I don't take compliments well. Do you think, though, it's, in Bob's case, it's because, you know, he's struggling with his, uh, you know, his alcoholism demons a little bit, and oh, yeah. he's not quite ready to, you know, um, feel like he's contributing to the group? Well, I think he feels like he's contributing, but I think that he's uh, he's also struggling with his demons and feels kind of bad for being chewed up by Daryl a little while ago, and, you know, he feels responsible and guilty and... You know, he really wants a drink and, you know, all that kind of mixed in. It's hard to uh, to take in a lot of, uh, you know, outside good information when you're in that kind of state of mind. Yeah, I suppose that's true. In the end, though, he performed. Like, he he was part of, you know, the group that helped those people get better. Yeah, so that's true. He'll, that's work, true. he'll work it through. Um, we cut back to Rick and Daryl. They're down in the tombs. They find Tyrese. Rick tries to tell him, but uh, Tyrese shows them... Uh, a rat that has been dissected and stuck up against the wall. Yeah. So he just basically, you know, he's starting to talk to Tyrese, tell him the story. And he's like, Tyrese is like, listen, shut up for a second. I want to show you something. Yeah. Check this out. Um, this scene was, I don't know. It was strange to me as well. Uh, it was kind of odd that they, they put it in here because we got a lot of other things about to happen, you know, and stuff is going on. And uh, Tyrese says he thinks they have a psychopath living with them. Well, yeah, this is... Uh, ser- serial killers do this. They kill animals and they dissect them and vivisect them and all kinds of nasty stuff. So do we have any theories on who did this? Yeah, it's Lizzie. It's Lizzie, eh? Yeah, absolutely. That's what the internet seems to think. I agree with the internet. It's rare, but it happens. So Lizzie is dissecting rats and she's feeding them to walkers. Yes, I, I now firmly believe that it's Lizzie. It's not the governor because they didn't they didn't tell us any more of that story. No, I don't think it's Carl anymore, and uh, the only one left is Lizzie. Yeah, I would tend or, to or agree Darryl. with that. <laughs> I would He's tend to playing dumb. I would tend to disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. And and now that we're, well, I mean, we'll get into it later. But I wonder if this rat feeding storyline will have any significance anymore considering the rest of this episode it has to it has to come into play later they wouldn't have put this in here if it didn't uh they wanted to call back to the rats because people you know the general viewing public not that we're anywhere near the general viewing public but they've kind of forgotten about that uh you know the rats at the fence yeah they kind of played they brought it back a couple of times but this is another one to bring it back so that it stays in our mind what the hell's going on with that what's going on there and they're going to bring it up again and it's going to become uh, it's going to become something. I firmly believe that. I wonder if this is going to be a long-standing mystery on the show. Who's dissecting the rats? Who was feeding them? Maybe we'll get more sort of small rodent incidents in the future and and wonder what's going on. Right. Well, I think the timing of this is important. Uh, do you know how you, uh, you remember something? 
like the, the, the mechanism behind it. You think of something, it's like, I need to remember that. And then you uh, try and remind yourself a little, a few minutes later or a little bit later. And then you remind yourself again, a little bit longer after that. And it's kind of exponential. So you remind yourself, remind yourself twice as long, remind yourself twice as long as that, remind yourself again, twice as long as that. And if you keep doing that, eventually it'll become part of your long-term memory. So this, uh, the timing of this, I think, is falls along that uh, that progression. We saw the saw the rats, and then they showed us another sort of snippet about that almost immediately afterwards. Then a little bit later, they called back to it, and then like three episodes or four episodes after that, they called back to it again. And now that it's finally uh, based on that pattern, it's in our memories now. This is part of uh, a story that's going on. Right. I think that's uh, they brought it back. The timing is important. Interesting. Is that how everyone remembers stuff? Uh, I read that somewhere. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, but that's if you want to remember something, that's how you do it. You remind yourself in uh, some kind of you know progressional. You know, I don't forget whether it's geometric or whatever sequence, but it's uh, or exponential sequence or something. Interesting. I've yeah. never really thought about that, but I imagine that sort of thing is mostly subconscious. Uh, for most people anyway. So uh, that's interesting. So the show is following a similar pattern in that they're bringing it up just, you know, just often enough that it stays in the back of our mind as viewers. Cool. Yeah, it's not consistent. It's, you know, it's, it's a progression between each, you know, reminder. It's a longer time frame. So, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I definitely think it's going to be something. All right. Well, we'll have to see. Now, they see this, and just as Rick starts to tell him that... Uh, it was it was Carol who killed Karen. There's a rather loud bang from the outside. Yeah, and the the prison sh- prison shakes a little bit and dust and falls. From dust the... falls and it's like, oh, what was that? Some kind of meteorite? Yeah, <laughs> I think maybe we got struck by a meteor. That's the first thing I would think. <laughs> and this is where things start to take off on this episode. Pretty much everybody runs out. And we see the governor and his crew parked outside the fence, a tank and six cars. All the doors wide open, everybody undercover, except for the governor, who's standing on top of the tank. And uh, the folks in the prison run to the innermost fence, and the governor tells Rick to come down and talk. Hey, come on down here. We we need to chat. Yeah, I got some things I want to talk to you about today. Yeah. Now, Rick first says there's a council who makes the decisions. I don't make decisions anymore. Yep. Which is kind of interesting. The uh, governor's cronies then bring out Herschel and Michonne, and the governor gives them no choice. He said, Rick, you're making decisions today. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Whether you like it or not, because, you know, I've got your people here. Yep. Now, we go to commercial. We come back. We see Herschel and Michonne kneeling in front of the tank. There are people with guns on them. And the governor's waiting for Rick. Rick turns to Daryl and Carl. They both kind of nod in agreement that he should go down because what other choice does he have, really? And uh, as Rick leaves, Daryl's talking to Tyrese and Sasha about what to do. And they say, everyone go for the bus, which I guess is their escape route. They've got an escape bus ready to go. Yeah, it's all stocked up and uh, ready to go. Right. Is it a Hyundai? No, this isn't a Hyundai, isn't it? No, it's some kind of blue. I think it was blue or gray school bus. It looked like. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. So Rick walks down 
tells the governor to let them go, Herschel and Michonne, right now, and he'll stand here and talk as long as the governor wants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a good way to start the conversation, but you got to know that's never going to work. You got a tank. What do you need hostages for? It, well, that is a good point. Yeah. You know, you clearly have the upper hand when it comes to firepower here. Yeah, you drive in here, you blow shit up, people do what you tell them. Yeah, except you don't that— You hostages. Except the one— you know, down the one thing about the governor's plan, or the the one thing about the tank that doesn't work, is that firing that tank and or driving over the fences, kind of destroys the one thing that makes the prison desirable. Yeah, they could build the fence back up, I suppose. But having those uh, hostages, I mean, that appeals to Rick's you know more human side rather yeah. than anything. True. Um. The governor explains his plan to Rick, says, you guys got to leave, and he says, you have until sundown to get out of here. Rick tries to appeal to him by saying there are children here. Some of them are sick. And at this point, Tara, who's standing there, she hears this and looks like she starts questioning her decision to go along with the governor because, uh, you know, she starts to think maybe these people aren't all bad. Well, yeah, that's the free. If I was if I was Rick, that would be the first, uh, you know, card I'd play. The kids? Is, uh, yeah. Just uh, I would talk to these people, and I would tell them that, uh, you know, not necessarily—I would try and turn them. Right. Yeah, and that's exactly what Rick's trying to do here, and it I think it works yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it's like, mm, come on in. Just, you know, if you come in, you're here. You want in? Come on in. <laughs> yeah, we're we're opening our doors. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't got to that point yet. First, we yeah. see Daryl handing out guns to everybody, including Maggie and Beth. Who are clearly, you know, obviously upset because their dad is kneeling in front of a tank with a gun to his head. Not cool. It's tough to take. That is tough to take. We cut over to Lily, who is keeping watch on top of the RV at the river. And uh, she sees a walker across the wide river trying to, you know, walk across. But he eventually gets washed away. So the governor was right. Walkers cannot make it across the water. True. At least this one can't. Megan is still playing in the dirt. And she uncovers a sign that says, warning, flash flood area. Yep. So you're thinking, is this some kind of foreshadowing? Is there going to be a flood here and they're all going to get <laughs> washed away? Yeah. And uh, no, that's not what happened. Um, just as the walker gets washed away, Megan uncovers a mud walker who reaches up from the depths of the mud and bites her, bites her in it's the shoulder. Almost, almost like it's a lurker of some kind. Yeah, he's just lurking there under the mud. If only yeah. that sign had said, warning, buried walker area, <laughs> everything might have been okay. It will. It, uh, the, the sign will be changed. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. If anything, the, the local government needs to step in and yeah. put up signs there, because I don't know if flash floods are really your biggest problem right now. Uh, warning, buried zombies, uh, call this number before digging. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> don't dig. You might hit something you don't want to hit. That's right. Lily climbs down off the RV, and she gets there just in time to kill the walker, but not save her daughter. Yeah. It was rather upsetting, I thought. I, You know, I, I enjoyed Megan as a character. Yeah, and she's it, good. It was too bad to see her get chomped here. But we cut to commercial when we come back. The governor and Rick are still talking. The governor insists that they don't have to fight, just leave, and everything will be fine. He's still trying to, you know, convince him that this is the best plan. Yeah. Now, a couple, a couple of walkers uh, start to approach, and the governor turns around and shoots them. 
and he says that the noise will draw more, and the longer Rick waits, the harder harder it'll be for him to leave. Right. Which is a good point, but, you know, I guess a tank rolling up is enough noise, too, but I don't know. Uh, Carl and Daryl are talking. Carl wants to shoot, but Daryl says, no, trust your dad. He can handle this. Yeah. Which I, I think... Um, I think Carl is way too far away from the governor, especially with the gun that he has, to take an accurate shot and take him out. Why? Why, especially with the gun that he has? Well, what kind of? Did, wasn't he holding a shotgun or something? No, it was a uh, a lever action rifle. Is like that they had gun in the old west? Is that gun accurate enough from that distance to shoot through fences and hit hit the governor standing on that tank, who was pretty far? Uh, it'd be, well, it depends on whose hands it in. It, it's in. If it was in my hands, yeah, it's too far. But then again, the rifle that Daryl had would be too far, and if it had a scope on it, it'd still probably be too far. Uh, but for Carl, maybe, maybe not. I think it's doable. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's medium range for that kind of, uh, that kind of firearm. Really? I, I, I don't know. The distance from the outer fence to the innermost fence feels really far to me. Like, when you get those wide shots, that looks like a pretty far distance. And I don't think there are many guns that you could accurately shoot and pick off a human being like that unless you have some sort of long, you know, scope-enabled weapon. I, I don't know. But I'm not I'm a not hunter. Sure. I've never gone hunting. I've uh, The only time I fired a rifle was at a shooting range at a military base when I was in basic training. And um, I know that you can shoot, I think it was probably a couple of hundred yards or a couple of hundred meters, which that might be on the outer edge of that. But I know that you can fire a regular rifle uh, a ways longer than that. I was a lousy shot at a couple of hundred yards, but uh, other people might be good shots at a couple of hundred yards. I know there are a lot of people who have, you know, much more gun experience than we do who listen. So let, let us know. I'd like to know. We should estimate the distance. If anyone knows exactly what kind of weapon Carl had, I would like to know if there was just with anything within the realm of possibility that would, you know, allow him to make that shot. Uh, write right. in and let us know. Um, just one of those things I was thinking about. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, as I said, Daryl says, trust your dad. Um, oh, the other thing is, too, if Carl took that shot and killed the governor, boy, does he ever leave his dad out in the in the open. I mean, you got to think that everyone else on the governor's crew would just open fire at that point and just right. mow down Rick. Yeah. Um, so well, you also have to remember that nobody's a trained professional except for the guy in the tank and uh, that usually people in, in that kind of situation just kind of uh, pull the trigger and spray which it's not really accurate in any way, shape, or form. And there was a lot of bullets flying around. When it does, when shooting does start, yeah. uh, there's a lot of bullets flying around, and nobody's accurate in any way, shape, or form. There was, you know, really there was not a lot of danger anywhere around there because nobody was taking the time to really accurately try and uh, line up a bead well, and shoot. Well, I'd, I'd say it was dangerous, but yeah, I guess there was a lot of uh, wild random shooting. If I was General Patton, I probably wouldn't have even ducked in that situation. Because there's just you're just that confident, eh? Well, General Patton was. Yeah, okay. he used to stand up in his jeep and drive around during tank battles. <laughs> it's a crazy bastard. Yeah. So, um, what we see the kids, you know, uh, Lizzie and her sister and a couple other kids bring Judith out in a car seat, and they're heading for the bus. But Lizzie says, "No, we should get guns and help." <laughs> yeah. I think maybe it's better to get the baby and the other children to safety, but 
Lizzie doesn't think so. No, nah, Lizzie's got it going on. Yeah, I guess I guess she knows what to do. Maybe if she kills one of them or wounds one of them, she might be able to vivisect it and uh, stake it out and find out how it ticks. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but we see Rick. He hesitates, and then he comes to the same sort of conclusion and suggestion that Herschel did back in the RV. He says, we can find a way to all live together in different cell blocks. It's not going to be easy. And he says, in fact, it'll be... It'll be a lot easier to just stand here and start shooting at each other, but let's, you know, let's find a way because we're not leaving. The governor, of course, disagrees, says he could have done that, but not after Woodbury and not after Andrea, he right. says. Interesting. Yeah, like it's Rick's fault. Well, yeah. And Andrea. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as we said, the governor is trying to, you know, he's trying this plan, but I think we all know and he knows that's. It's not going to be this easy. Yeah. Rick says, we're not leaving. He puts his foot down, and uh, he says, we can all live in this prison, or none of us can. Right. Great line, I thought. The governor gets pissed, and he grabs Michonne's sword, puts it to Herschel's neck. Um, at this point, Rick points to Tara and says, is this what you want? He's trying to appeal to the other people, as we said before. And... Uh, Tara is obviously questioning the governor now because she's like, what the hell's going on here? He said this would be easy. You know, why aren't these people just packing up and leaving? Right. And uh, um, they, uh, what happens next? Rick says, we've all done worse things to stay alive. We can come back. We're not too far gone. So there he spoke the episode title. There it is, yeah. Yeah. And uh, as he's kind of giving this speech, Rick, Rick is... You know, the governor's got his, the sword to Herschel's neck. He kind of, uh, as Rick's talking, he kind of removes the sword a little bit, pulls it back, and you think, oh, my God, maybe Rick is getting to him. Maybe he's coming around. Maybe they'll <laughs> they'll work together and sunshine and rainbows and everything will be okay. You didn't think that at all, did you? I No, I didn't, but, you know, <clears throat> may, maybe, maybe that's what was happening. Maybe that, after all of that discussion, uh, he might finally be caving to, uh, you know, reason and wisdom. You know, if that had happened, I would have had to quit watching TV, so I'm kind of glad it yeah. didn't. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, you know, Rick finishes his speech. Herschel smiles because, you know, Herschel knows that, that Rick is trying to do the right thing here. At least that's what I read into the smile. Um, and then the governor cuts half of Herschel's head off. <laughs> well, he doesn't. He cuts, uh, cuts his head half off. Uh, sorry, he, he slices about halfway through his neck, it looked yeah. like. Yeah, he didn't cut half his head off. No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rick f screams no, fires back, and then everybody opens fire. Rick yeah. basically grabs his gun, starts shooting. Rick turns and runs for the overturned bus that's inside the gate, but he gets shot in the leg on the way there. Yep. Just as he gets there, actually. Michonne starts rolling away because she is still on the ground with uh, handcuffs on. And then we see Herschel worming his way back between some cars. I was surprised to see Herschel moving at all. I mean, with that kind of neck wound, my God. Well, I don't know. He didn't, they didn't cut the spine, right? No, I know like he didn't he cut, cut his, his neck in half, but his spine was still intact or he wouldn't have been going anywhere. Uh, so he's able to wriggle. He probably didn't have control of his arm. Uh, his his right arm at all, but uh, yeah, yeah but to, to get going. I, I'm just with that kind of traumatic injury, that kind of trauma to your neck. You know, uh, sure he didn't sever his spine, but 
he basically cut as close to it it looked like as he could without actually severing it yeah. and just to have your head flapping half off like that i i wouldn't think you'd be going anywhere well he didn't go far no right? he got far enough to, in between some cars trying to get to safety though my god come on herschel's a machine man he had his leg cut off and you know a day and a half later he's up and pop hopping around all over the place turned into terminator in the uh in the prison there was killing things left right and center and yeah, he's a, he's a machine. He was fine. I I totally believe that. He was uh, he could probably get up and uh, do a cartwheel if he had to. <laughs> God, I couldn't even imagine that. Um, well, the governor doesn't take long. He finds him though and finishes the job. Chops his head fully off. Yeah. So with a couple of hacks. Yeah, it takes I think three hacks, and that's it. Herschel is no more. Herschel is decapitated. Yeah. Now he's going to become a zombie head somewhere. Because we know that happens, right? Um, yeah. Well, of course, zombie heads reanim- reanimate by themselves. Yeah. Or so we heads got a zombie, zombie head crawling around someplace by his lips, trying to get to wherever they're going. <laughs> Pulling himself along the ground with his lips. Yep. Um, we see Tara, who isn't firing, and Mitch orders her to get her gun and start shooting. And uh, at that point, Lily shows up with dead Megan in her arms. So things aren't really going all that well for anybody at this now, point. Now, if you were carrying your dead daughter, would you walk into the middle of a, a firefight to sh- show her off to somebody? Well, I think there's two things going on here. Lily no longer cares at all about what happens. She's lost her daughter. That's it. Her life's over. And two, she wants to bring this dead girl to the governor and say, look what happened. This is all your fault. I don't uh, support you in any way anymore. It wasn't his fault. It was the walker or the uh, the lurker in the mud. Well, tell Lily that. I mean, I think she pretty much is going to lay blame on Mr. Governor for exactly what's happened. And now he's attacking these people whom she wasn't even really on board with to begin, you know, to start. And uh, she's like, look at what you're doing. You're clearly a bad person. I am with bad people. Yeah. And it's cost me my daughter's life. <laughs> this part, her showing up here is uh, was completely unbelievable to me. I don't think she would have left the encampment. And how far was it, by the way, that she walked all that, all that way? Yeah. It struck me as you know, a little farther walk than just kind of strolling along with, uh, with your dead daughter in your arms. No, I, I agree. But I just put that aside because I wasn't going to worry about that. I think it... I think it was kind of important that she did show up at that moment because the governor sees um, that the girl he loves is now dead. He's lost two daughters, essentially, now. Yeah. And uh, it's what basically pushes him over the edge because at this point they were still shooting at each other through the fence. He hadn't ordered any greater attack, um, which he does momentarily after this. He walks forward and he tells everyone to get in their cars and kill them all. Right. So I think the governor uh, is invulnerable when he has someone to protect. When he no longer is able to protect someone because they're dead, that's when he gets stabbed in the eye, and that's when he gets killed. And that's when he becomes the uh, the homeless bum that uh, wanders around with his big beard and uh, doesn't give a flying anything until he has somebody to protect. As soon as he has somebody pr- to protect, he's the man of steel. He can do whatever he wants. He can't get hurt. He can't get killed. He uh, commands people with the drop of a hat. Uh, uses his presence attack to make people do stuff and 
manipulate other people, but as soon as he doesn't have anybody to protect anymore, he is a uh, he's in danger. Interesting. So that's kind of his superpower. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's powered by the fact that he he's protecting someone. Interesting. Yeah, he- Super villain. That's why he can. Yeah, that's why he can stand on top of a tank and be completely un, completely exposed, but nothing bad happens to him. That's right. Uh, he did get. Uh, he did take one in the shoulder from Carl before. Uh, before before uh, he, he. What's her name? Showed up with the with her daughter. Carl hit him in the shoulder. Yeah, with the, with the rifle. The first shot Carl took took a hit the governor in the shoulder. What? Didn't really? See that? I didn't see that. Yeah, right in the shoulder. I don't think he got hit at all. No, you gotta go back. Watch All right, it. I'll check it. I didn't see that. I I missed that for some reason. Yeah, it totally happened. Oh, okay. So, and that happened after she showed up with the kid with with dead Megan. No, before. Oh, before. Yeah, it so, was before. As soon as the firefight broke out, the first shot that Carl took hit the governor in the shoulder. Oh well, then that answers the question of whether or not Carl could shoot him from that distance. Yeah, C- clearly yeah, he, in this universe he can. Yeah, the answer is yes. Okay, fine. The answer is yes. I think that was meter immediate. Uh, I was looking up on the internet a little bit. I think moderate range is around, uh, like medium range, is about five hundred yards. A thousand yards is long range. So he was definitely within five hundred yards. I think. Yeah, it might have been about that, but you're right. Medium. I think range. it's totally a doable shot with someone with a little practice. Okay. All right. I'll buy into that. Before this scene ends, um, we see um, Tara, who's you know not doing much. Alicia comes over, tells her to start fighting, and Tara's like, "He just chopped a guy's head off with a sword. Like, <laughs> what is going on here?" Yeah. <laughs> and Alicia says, "If you can't do this, that's fine. Then just run and hide, and I'll find you later." So she's given her an out. She's given her an excuse to run away. Well, yeah, you can't force somebody to uh, participate in a firefight if they're completely unsuited for it and mentally you know, break down where they're just hiding in a little puddle behind the uh, behind the tank. Yeah, but Tara's always talked a big game, you know, and now she gets into something real and, and starts cowering. Well, that's how you know, that's exactly how you know someone's going to gonna do that. When they're talking a big game, that's pretty much guaranteed that they're going to be a, uh, a puddly mess when the, uh, <laughs> when the shit hits the fan. Right. Well, um, yeah, I just liked how she couldn't believe that he chopped the guy's head off with a sword. <laughs> yeah. Well, that Our, would be pretty amazing. It's just like all of a sudden he dragged up these people and then he's got a sword in his hand and he tried to, he chopped off some guy's head. That's pretty it's remarkable. It's sh- shocking really. and horrifying. It's like, holy crap, did you see that? <laughs> That's exactly what Tara <laughs> was thinking. Yeah. Commercial happens and we come back. The tank drives over the prison fences. They just drive it right in there. Everybody's shooting. The tank is firing and blowing stuff up. So not only have they taken down the fences now, they're basically destroying the buildings. Well, yeah, I mean, it's all at war now. It's basically all at war. Maggie and Beth are running for the bus. Uh, Maggie wants to go get Glenn, though, and she tells Beth to get people on the bus. That's her job. Everyone has a job. Everyone has a job. As soon as you say someone has a job, they don't do it. Yeah, they don't. That's right. (laughs) This is your job. Make sure you don't do it. That's right. Um... The governor's advancing up the prison yard. Rick tackles him as he passes the overturned bus. Now, I was thinking, I don't understand. Rick is behind this bus, shot in the leg. Basically, they're all alone, exposed as they're going up. Why is nobody going to take him out? They There's all just like a bunch of people up the hill shooting at them. I know, they're, but you'd think as someone, on something else. as someone drives by, they wouldn't look over that way and just 
put one in him to make sure, you know, he doesn't double back behind them? I mean, I know he's only one guy, but still. Well, I know if I'm, uh, I don't know about you, but if I was ever in an all of a sudden firefight where I was given a, a some kind of rifle 15 minutes beforehand and told the plan and then shooting breaks out, I'm not going to have a great command of the situation. That may I'm be not going to maintain the situational awareness to know where everybody is that's a threat that's hiding. Yep. And to be like, if they're shooting at me, I'll shoot back. If no one's shooting at me, I'm going to assume they're not a threat. And I guess maybe they could have thought Rick was already dead, too. You know, he might have, yeah. or, or at least been incapacitated enough that he wasn't moving at all. Yeah. Um, but the, the Rick jumps out and tackles the governor. They start kicking the crap out of each other. We see Maggie getting Glenn out of the uh, cell block. And then the tank breaks through the inner fence. So that tank mm. drove up pretty quick. Um, lots of people are getting to the bus, except for Beth. <laughs> She's nowhere to be found. And uh, Glenn is on the bus, but Maggie leaves again because she needs to go find Beth and, you know, figure out what else she can do. Right. Uh, Daryl is in some cover. He's shooting at uh, some of the governor's men, and a walker is sneaking up behind him. Very stealthily. Yeah. and the, From it, somewhere. The, from somewhere. <laughs> that walker just sprinted up that prison, uh, prison well, I mean, yard. I assume that the, the, uh, the prison was didn't, didn't contain any walkers at that point. And the tank came through and made a hole that everybody was looking at. Mm-hmm. So where did those walkers come from? Well, I think maybe a little bit more time has passed than it felt like. Maggie well, had time. Think like 45 minutes? Maggie had time to run inside, get Glenn... That might have taken a little while. The tank, you know, had to have driven all the way up that yard. Tanks don't go that fast. Neither do zombies. Zombies go even slower. Yeah. So. I, I think those are, uh, yeah, I don't know where those zombies came from, but they must have been hiding in uh, in B block or something like that. Maybe they were. Anyways, one sneaks up behind Daryl, and uh, just as it gets to him, scene cuts away. Right. And I was like, oh, man. I wonder if Daryl's going to die. <laughs> oh, Daryl's totally dead there. They would have shown it if he was was going to get away, but they always cut away when someone definitely gets bitten. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Instead, we cut to the governor who's on top of Rick and just pummeling him, just punching the crap out of him. Yep, with and crunching bone, bone noises. You notice that every time somebody hit anybody, it was uh, there was a crunching bone noise? That's a thing, though, with TV and movies. You hear crunching bones, you hear squishing flesh. It kind of made me sad that all the punches sounded yeah, exactly the same, like they were uh, somebody was breaking a head of lettuce in a studio someplace. <laughs> and Rick's face was just being smashed into a mushy pulp of smashed bones. Right. It was very, it was, uh, yeah, it's, uh, according to the audio, yes. According to the visual, it was just, it was more like a video game where the more you hit somebody, just the redder their face gets. Yeah, that's right. Um... But so it doesn't take long before we come back to Daryl, and he is now using the walker as a meat shield. So yeah. he survived the attack. Good for him. Got something in that walker's brain, and he uses that walker as a meat shield as he approaches some of the bad guys. Throws a grenade over to them, <laughs> which uh, was awesome. I didn't know he had any grenades. Yeah, we didn't. We uh, we knew that from before. Well, they, they hadn't talked. They hadn't talked about them in a long time, and I guess they haven't needed to use them or anything, but. Pretty awesome. I thought that he threw a grenade there. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, Bob gets shot in the shoulder with Maggie and Sasha, and as they're sort of taking cover and wondering what to do, the bus drives away. So the bus, with Glenn on it and a bunch of other people we don't know, drives away. Yeah, we got to get on the... Oh, yeah, the there bus it, drove away. There it goes. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um, 
Tara and uh, some guy corner Tyrese, get Tyrese cornered. He's hiding behind something. And uh, when it looks like, you know, Tyrese might be done, Lizzie shows up, shoots the guy, and then shoots Alicia right square in the forehead. <laughs> four kids show up. So it, it's actually four kids show up, two of which have handguns. As soon as, uh, as, soon as Lizzie fires, the two, the two little kids run off. Yep, and there's two the two girls left, each with a handgun, and then Lizzie fires and puts uh, puts one right in her forehead. Yeah, I think Alicia was so surprised to see such young kids show up like that and not hesitate to shoot that it caused her to hesitate, and that's the only reason she didn't survive that scene. Yeah, if she had just turned around and blown Lizzie away, then uh, you know she probably would have been fine. Then again, that might have given Tyrese enough time to reach up and take her out. So, you know, either way. Lizzie, pretty badass right here. Yeah. You know? Yep. She may be weird and dissecting rats, but she knows how to kill when it comes I'm gonna to give her. Uh, I'm going to give her three badass points. Just three. Well, these are bigger badass points than the other ones I've given other people in other times. Oh, so the uh, system gets even more complicated. <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, there's the number of points you have, the, the size of the points. Don't even get me col- uh, started on color or spin. <laughs> <laughs> right, because green badass points are more valuable than orange ones. Oh no, I like orange better. Orange is much better than green oh. uh, badass points. And if you're something spinning clockwise, it's way better than anti-clockwise. Wow. All righty. Okay, well, so she gets three uh, big badass points. Okay, that's good. That puts her in the lead. I think. I don't know. Not really. Okay. It's, it's, it's apples and oranges. You can't really compare them. Great. So it's a perfectly valid system. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. there are lots of walkers around now. And clearly the governor now has the best of Rick. He's still on top of him. Rick is very bloodied. And the governor starts strangling him. Just strangling him. He's going to choke, choke him out. Choke the life right out of him. But suddenly, suddenly a katana comes from the back right through his chest. Michonne is back. I figured it would be Carl. Oh yeah, I thought, I thought I figured Carl would uh, would save the day because I lost track of him. I didn't know what was happening with Carl. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, we hadn't seen I've, Carl doing anything. Yeah, and the last we saw Michonne was she still had her hands tied behind her back. Now they obviously showed something where she was going to cut it off with a, a bent license plate. But uh, I figured it'd be Carl that would come out of the uh, out of the woodwork and save his dad. But it right, wasn't. it was Michonne. It was Michonne. Um, you know, Michonne is the one who said she wanted to cut the governor in half. So. Yep. She didn't quite do that, but uh, she skewered him through the through the back, out the chest, and uh, it was pretty exciting. I was Gruesome. like, yes, yes, he's going to die. No one can survive a katana <laughs> through the chest like that. Um, but we get uh, Rick, he goes to find Carl, and Michonne leaves the governor dying on the ground as walkers approach. Yeah. Now, it concerned me a little bit that she didn't just stab him again or slice his head off or, you know, open him up from neck to groin, but... Stem to stern. Yeah, but she decides not to. I was still thinking, you know what, he he can't survive this. There's no way. I mean, that kind of wound is, is not survivable without immediate medical attention, and even then, there's a good chance you're not going to live. Plus, there are walkers around other people with guns and so on. So I was feeling pretty good that the governor was was basically dead at this point. However, it worried me a little bit that she just left. The um, uh, the shot of uh, of the sword through his chest I thought was particularly awesome. 
because it was just, it came out and then it was just, it moved around a little bit. And then when she pulled it out, there was this little spurt of blood that went forward. It was, uh, it was quite the thing to behold. That's cool. The thing that struck me about the shot was just the hesitation and how they held it, held on that for a minute, right? She didn't like stick it through and immediately yank it back, right? Yeah. She stuck it through. It was in there for a little bit before she pulled it back, like That's you right. said. Yeah. So, uh, I did like it too. I, it was, it was pretty awesome. Most excellent. So, yeah, the tank is still fully operational at this point. It's a fully operational tank. It's shooting stuff. Daryl has another grenade, though, so he, he runs over, and he puts a live grenade down the barrel of the tank. Tink, 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 yep. tink, tink, You hear someone yell grenade, or you hear Mitch, I guess, yell grenade. He jumps out just in time. The tank explodes from the inside, and Daryl puts a bolt through his chest. So that grenade took an awful long time. It had a really long fuse compared to the one that uh, Daryl just threw moments before. Uh, it had enough time to go tink, 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 clunk, 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 grenade. Climb, 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 open the hatch, climb, 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 jump out. Phew, kaboom. <laughs> I I agree with you. I It, it struck me that there's no way um, someone who... You know, if that if if someone put a grenade down the barrel of a tank, there is no way that someone would have enough time to get out before it exploded. But we do have a call later in the show about this very scene, okay? And someone who's got some insight into this. So, oh, excellent, uh, good, good, good. I think we'll leave it at that for now, and we'll play that in a little bit. Um, but anyways, Daryl puts a bolt through Mitch's chest, and uh, I was a little surprised he didn't put it through his head to be honest with you. No, they're pissed off, man. They're not killing anybody. They're letting them uh, succumb to the walkers or to their own uh, monsterism. But see, I'm, it's not that I was expecting Daryl to put him in, put it through the head so that he would, like, kill-kill him and he wouldn't be a walker. I just thought, you know, he's pretty close. He's right there. You know, I guess Daryl, just put it in his head. He'll be dead instantly, right? Daryl put it in his chest, which just means he's going to fall down and suffer. <laughs> which yeah. I guess is what he wants. That, yeah, I think that was the uh, the entire point. I think that's why Michonne left the governor. I think that's why uh, Daryl put the bolt in his chest. Uh, I, I think it's uh, they want them to suffer. Man, that's cold. But There's no easy out. Yeah, it's very cold. But um, So no more Mitch. He lasted longer than his brother Pete, but I guess yep. he's dead too. Now at this point, Beth runs up, and her and Daryl run off together. Who knows to where. Rick is stumbling up. He's back up there sort of by the prison now. And he finds Carl, um, who takes out two walkers. And uh, they start to wonder where Judith is. And then they find an empty and very bloody car seat. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I don't have a good feeling about Judith. (laughs) Carl starts shooting some walkers again because he's pissed. But he runs out of ammo and his gun just starts clicking. They, uh, him and him and his dad are both totally distraught. You know, his dad not in very good condition, and they leave together. Yeah. Now the governor is still alive, lying on the grass down there. Yeah, he's like uh, Rasputin. He is. Yeah, he's had a hard time killing that some bitch. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, you know, we get this shot, and I'm like, oh no, oh no, he's he's gonna get up and like run off, or he's gonna get up somehow and and steal away into the woods, and we're not going to know what's happening to him. And uh, instead, I'm happy to report that Lily walks up and shoots him in the face. (laughs) Yeah, finally. 
we don't actually see you know the bullet enter his body but she's standing over him there's no way she could miss she just shoots him and i think it's official at this point the governor is now dead yes i would i would agree with you and i am very very happy about that um just as this happens we see a walker come a walker's foot step on the one-eyed chess piece that uh megan colored on for him yeah. and that's that's the symbol right there that chess piece is down it's been stepped yep. on it's been driven into the ground and it will never be seen again checkmate mother i'm not gonna say it <laughs> that'd be the first f-bomb you've dropped on this show <laughs> well maybe not the first no time. it isn't <laughs> i've read them in emails oh yeah that's true there you go that doesn't count though no because i didn't say it i'm just yeah. reading it that's right so walkers have basically flooded into the prison as Rick and Carl walk off into the forest. As I said, Rick is not in very good shape. And they go past. He tells Carl not to look back. Just keep walking. We fade to black, and we get silent closing credits. No music this time. No music. I thought yeah. that was interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think it's the first time they've done that. But it's one of those tropes on TV where... When something really bad just happens, or you're mourning the loss of somebody, they do they'll do silent credits at the end. It's it's from Twenty Four. Is that where it's from? Yeah, I think it's from Twenty Four. Whenever one of the main characters dies, uh, they don't do the the uh, the sound effects of the the, the countdown at the end. The beep. Oh beep, right. Beep. So that's how you know when that person's dead for sure. If you hear the beep, they're not dead. Okay. Well, that's what they did here: silent credits, because we had a number of deaths. In we did. This, uh, in this episode. We are going to take our break right now, very quickly. We're going to come back, though, and re talk some more about this episode before we move on to Holy Crap, Did You See That? So uh, we will get to all that right after this when the show continues. Dead Podcast is brought to you by Audible. And they're offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you have a chance to check out your uh, to check out their service. And to get you started, um, they have 100,000 titles in the catalog, but we always like to pick one to recommend. And uh, Jason, I throw it over to you to do that. All right, I'm going to recommend Jumper by Stephen Gould this time. This is a book I read back in probably 2005, something like that. Actually, I read the, uh, I picked up the, the sequel to this, Reflex, and read that, realizing that it's the second book in this series, and then went looking for the first book in the series, and I couldn't find it in the store, and then I asked somebody, and they said, oh, that's in the young adult section. <laughs> so I went and got it, and I actually really like it. Just imagine, if you will, now they made a movie about this, but just ignore the movie altogether because it was crap. 
Uh, imagine, if you will, that uh, this guy all of a sudden spontaneously learns how to teleport because he was in a very grave, dangerous situation and he just wanted really, really badly to get out of there. So he did. He teleported. There's no rhyme or reason why he can teleport. He doesn't know how he can teleport. There's no other superpowers on the planet. Nobody else can do this. And uh, it's just an entertaining look at somebody who has a, a, a superpower that can just do what he wants. That's cool. So the movie was terrible. So movie if was horrible. If you've seen the movie, don't take that for you know for as a representation of what the book is like. Go out, grab the book from Audible, yeah. and check it out. In the movie, they had uh, this whole story about uh, you know an ancient race of jumpers, and he has to be part of this thing, and this whole thing about vampires and crap. Just ignore it. It's just this guy knows how to teleport. There's no real reason why. Like there's no like you know intervening event. He didn't get bit by a radioactive spider or anything like that. He just <laughs> can teleport, and it's actually a pretty good book. Cool. So if you want to check out Jumper by Stephen Gould, head over to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. That's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for a free audio book. Okay, we're back. Thanks for sticking with us, everybody. So, Jason, let's talk a little bit more about this episode before we move on. Which episode is that? That would be episode uh, eight of season four, Too Far Gone. Oh, right. Okay. In case, in case you really couldn't remember. Yep. Um, you know, the first thing I wanted to say here is that I think they did it. I think they, they pulled it, it off. Um, it basically played out the way I expected it to. Well, I don't know. I can pick that apart. You know that, right? Well, go ahead. Be my Herschel's guest. Herschel's head didn't get cut off. Not the first time. The governor did die. Yeah, okay. It, it turned out the way you thought it was going to turn out. I thought they were going to get to the prison and go, uh, you know, we're about to attack you. Oh, goodness. Fade to black. I am so happy that didn't happen. This, in my opinion, was so much better because stuff happened, right? We didn't get an episode of build-up to the possibility of a payoff in February, we got the buildup and the payoff with still lots of possibility for excellence coming in the new year. I, I agree. And the thing I like about it is, you know, I, I do have an idea of where the show is going to go now, especially the first episode back. Um, oh, yeah. But after that, it's really up in the air. You know, the only reason I have an idea of where I think things are going to go is because Scott Gimple seems to be a little bit more inclined to follow the comic storyline. So we can look at the comics and be like, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. That's going to map out the rest of this season. But really, when it comes down to it, I have no idea how it's all going to play out. And I really, more so right now than ever before, for some reason, that really makes me feel good about where things could go. Oh, good. So I agree with you. And then as soon as the opening shot where uh, the governor was talking to his crew saying, I have to convince you of something. And as soon as I saw that, 
I knew that it was going to turn out the way you wanted and not the way that I thought it was going to turn out. Because I thought there was going to be this whole lead up to uh, him having to convince those people. I thought there was going to be the kidnap of, the, of Herschel and Michonne. I thought there was going to be, you know, that was going to take uh, 15 minutes. And then talking people into doing all this stuff was going to take 15, 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden they'd show up at the prison and they talk about it for 15, 20 minutes. And guess what? That's all the time we have. Ladies and gentlemen, episodes over. Yeah, and but you know, they went right to the talking, and then did the did the kidnapping of Herschel and Michonne in a flashback without any audio. So that happened really quick. Yeah, I was going to say they kind of glossed over that, and and as we were doing the recap, I I said it seemed like it was a little convenient to having Michonne kind of drop her guard like this to this degree. Um, but in on the whole, when I take the whole episode, you know, as one, I'm kind of glad they did that. Right? It wouldn't be. Seeing that take 15 minutes and him plot, you know, to uh, kidnap them and how he did it and all this and that, it wouldn't have been that interesting. And there were far more interesting things they could show us, and they did. So I'm really glad that they kind of uh, glossed over that. And, you know, other than that, though, this episode was exciting. Uh, you know, I, I was a little bit worried going in thinking, okay, I... I know what's going to happen. I know how this is going to go down. Is that going to take away from my enjoyment of the episode? And it didn't. Like, right. it didn't at all. I was I was leaning forward on the couch watching this thing the whole time, and that's rare. I, I usually sit back, put my feet up, you know, take it easy. But this this episode was tense, brutal, and exciting, and it had me leaning forward going, oh, my God, what's going to happen next sort of thing. So you sit back, put your feet up, drink a beer, fall asleep, <laughs> wake up, watch more of the show. <laughs> Rewind. No, I never fall asleep, but <laughs> I, I do. You know, I get comfortable sometimes, but this episode left no room for comfort. Right. And uh, that's a good thing. I was I was excited about that. You can, you'll pay for the whole seat, but you'll only use the edge. That's right. I paid for my whole couch. <laughs> um, the... I also sort of liked how I found myself when the governor was talking to the crew at the beginning, his crew, I found myself kind of agreeing with him. Yeah. In in the fact that, you know, they are definitely not safe living in a in the forest with uh with pits dug for walkers and no real defenses. Clearly, the safest place to be is in this prison. I don't agree with him, you know, wanting to kill people or take it over or anything like that. But I was like, yeah, of course he needs to go get the prison. Of course he needs to find somewhere more safe. And the most obvious choice is this prison. It's just, you know, there's these people there that he doesn't like. So he's got to come up with something. And I'm like, I can't believe it, but I am kind of feeling like this is the right thing to do, at least from his perspective. That's crazy. And I thought that was that was. Bizarre. I was knocking the door and ask him if I could stay. You know, we got some people here. We got uh, some expertise. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, we have a tank. Yeah. Uh, do you mind if we stay here for a little while? Yeah. I his his execution and his method is 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 all wrong, but his ideas are are sound. Right. I think that's what I'm trying to trying to get at. I mean, clearly he's not a he's not a good dude. But, uh, you know, I was thinking, yeah, well, this is what he has to do, and this is what he should do, and, you know, at least the concept of going into the prison is realistic. Right. Anyways. Um, what else about this episode? Judith, do you think they killed a baby or not? I think the baby's dead. 
Babies. I think they couldn't show it like I thought. I don't think they could show Beth being shot and falling on the baby or the baby being shot or the baby being picked up and devoured by walkers. I think they had to definitively, definitively show that the baby was dead without showing the baby dying. So, and I think this is how they decided to do it. It's a tough situation to be in, I can see, for these writers because, <clears throat> you know, as we've said, this baby... It's just a burden having it around, and uh, what are they really going to do? Are they going to flee off with a baby in a carrier? There's no way they're going to be able to feed that baby anymore. But you're right. It's hard or impossible to show a baby getting killed on screen. Yeah. So I'm with you. I don't think we're going to see Judith again. I think we're just going to have to assume something bad happened, and uh, she's no more. Going to be off the show. That's it. Yeah. I mean— there is, you know, there is the possibility, and we're going to get emails about this if we just say definitively the baby's dead. There is a possibility that uh, somebody picked her up and, and took her. Maybe she's on the bus. Maybe she's with Beth, wherever Beth is. Uh, maybe she's with, uh, you know, Stooky. Maybe somebody found her and picked her up, and uh, I don't know where the blood came from. Maybe they replaced her. Uh, maybe uh, Lizzie replaced uh, the, the baby with a, a dead squirrel. And the dead squirrel got uh, picked up and eaten by the walkers, which uh, explains all the blood. Who knows? Yeah, it's uh, it is. I don't know. I uh, there's a lot of possibilities there, but I think, as you said, this is just their way of of getting rid of Judith without showing us anything that would just be too, you know, horrific. At the very least, I think this gets rid of her for the rest of the season. I think she might show up with. Uh, um, with somebody later on and say, hey, what are you doing with my baby? And that's a whole thing. Yeah, unless we flash forward and Judith is like 18 and <laughs> right. searching for her father kind of thing. That would be crazy. Um, but I think you're right. They were just being gentle with us, gentle with the audience a little bit. Um, Judith, I will be surprised, very surprised if Judith comes back in any way. I agree. Um. Let's see. Uh, anything else about this episode you wanna you wanna get, del- dive into? Nothing particular. I thought the episode overall was really good. I thought it was a strong episode. I thought that uh, I, I I thought it turned out the way you thought it was going to turn out, which is uh, which is pretty good because you know all my uh, humming and hawing aside, I was kind of hoping that it would turn out that way. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, overall, I liked it. Yeah, I, I think they they pulled it off basically. Um, this. First half of this season, I think general consensus is that it's been pretty good, and I'm yeah. I'm more or less on that side. I I'm not as I'm not as hot on it as some other people uh, that, and you know I've made that known over the last few weeks. Um, but this episode was great. It was a really good way to end this half of the season, and um, like I said, I'm excited about not really knowing where things are going to go from here. Um, but one thing I do hope is that they. And this might be counterintuitive with some of the things I've said in the past, but I hope they take their time telling the story from here on in. Right. You know, slow things down a little bit. We don't need to have um, fast-paced storytelling constantly. Some of the best shows take their time telling stories, right? Yeah. And uh, the other thing is I hope they don't catch up to to the comic where it is now too fast. If indeed they're going to be following the comic storyline a little bit closer, I know there's still lots of stuff happening in the comic because it's been going for 12 years or whatever, but I, I just hope they don't skip over too much. I, I 
like I said, take their time. I don't want this show to be at the same point as the comic is because that'll be weird or even get ahead of the comic. That'll right. be equally weird. Um, I want them to either, you know, go two different ways long before that happens or or just take their time enough so that they won't really catch up to it at all. Well, where did they leave the uh, the prison in the comics? That was the end of book four, right? It was the end four? of hardcover book four, yeah. Yeah, so that's four years. We're that we're right in line with that. Well, we're a little bit ahead, really. As half a season, as in four seasons. Yeah, right. I, I guess so. Um, they're up to book nine, hardcover book nine, right now. So, like I said, there's still lots of comic story, but uh, yeah, I just I don't know. I I for everything I want to see and everything that would excite me moving forward. I just hope they take their time, make it awesome. You know, make it as amazing as they possibly can. So, but you know what? That's sort of how I've felt about this show since the beginning. Make it good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make it good. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. All right, cool. Well, there you go. That is um, the season four mid-season finale. I thought it was great. If you agree or disagree or want to send in your thoughts or comments, give us an email or give us a call. The uh, methods of contacting us, of course, I'll yell out at the end of the show. We would love to hear from you. And, of course, we'll do our feedback show on Wednesday later this week. So there should be lots of time to read some listener feedback. And I think that you really should yell out the details at the end of the show on how to contact us. <laughs> like step back from the mic and just start yelling. I won't, uh, I won't even record it. I'll just yell loud enough so that everyone can hear me. <laughs> Well, no, you record it, but I think it would still be entertaining. You might wake your kids, but I, I don't care about that. Yeah, I sort of do, and I'm pretty sure my wife does. <laughs> right. All righty, let's do some of these, Jason. Holy crap, did you see that? Time for holy crap, did you see that? The first one is a call, and this is Ken in Sacramento. This is Ken from Sacramento, my Holy crap, did you see that moment had to do with the tank on uh, this episode. First off, as a former Army tanker, i got to say I was very embarrassed about the way they used that thing. But secondly, uh, there are a lot of ways that they could have killed that tank or stopped it and made it ineffective. Dropping a hand grenade down the barrel is not one of them. That barrel was made to contain explosions by uh, cannon shells with dramatically more power than uh, you would find in a hand grenade. And also, the thickest piece of armor on the tank is the breech block, the uh, piece of metal that blocks the tail end of the gun barrel to uh, protect the crew inside from those explosions in the in the barrel. A hand grenade, they wouldn't have even heard it happening inside that barrel. It, was, it would be such a puny explosive compared to what they normally use. So, uh, you know, of all the ways you could portray killing a tank hand grenade down the barrel dumbest least effective way there is thank you ken you know watching the episode this goes to show how much i know i was thinking man what a good idea daryl had throw a <laughs> grenade down the barrel that's gotta be um that's gotta be a good way to disable a tank clearly not no you throw it in the hatch you climb up on the tank you open the hatch you throw the grenade in you close the hatch right so you pull a dodge you pull a uh uh, uh, Chewbacca on top of the um, ATST. Yeah, that's right. Well, that you know, I've never you know thought about trying to kill a tank with. Uh, you, you could put uh, tank traps out, but that requires a little forethought, right? Um, how would you? I guess you could disable the treads, lock it in place, so it can't go anywhere, but it can still fire. 
I would assume. What yeah. else? What other ways do you think you could kill a tank? Well, I, I don't know. The best one is probably to get up close, climb on top, yeah, and kill the guy inside. <laughs> um, right. I, I don't know, though. I, tanks, pretty hard to stop a tank uh, when you're not prepared for it, right? Like they right. were. So, I don't know. It, I thought throwing a grenade down there is a great idea, but clearly it's not because... Well, maybe he got lucky. Maybe the breach was open, and that's why the, the grenade went tink, 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 tink. And, you know, maybe, he, uh, uh, what's his eyebrows, just opened the breach in order to put another round in, and at that point a grenade come, comes in and, and falls into the inside of the tank, and you're like, crap, now what do I do? I can't, like, put the tank, put the grenade back into the, uh, the barrel and close the breach, so I'm okay. Maybe I got to get the F out of Dodge here. Yeah, well, maybe that would take an awful lot of. Well, Daryl's got to be a lucky guy, so maybe, maybe that's yeah. it. I but, don't know. Yeah, that's all I can think of. Is it was just dumb luck, and maybe tanks are softer in this world, like uh, zombies are, <laughs> unless you're using it for a shield. If you're using a zombie for a shield, all bets are off; they can stop bullets. True, very true. Who knows? But that's it. Uh, all right, Jason, who's going to start with the emails here? Me or I'll you? start with the emails. So we have an email, uh, a couple of emails, I guess, uh, Angie from uh, Bring- Birmingham, in- UK, and Craig from Scotland. Uh, holy shit, did you see that whole episode? Had me on the edge of my seat from start to finish. Best episode ever. I am, for once, lost for words, and no one moment could be better than the last. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, Angie and Craig both basically sent that in, and... This whole episode, you know, I'm, I think a lot of people are feeling that way. Yeah. But Heather from Buffalo writes, Holy crap, did you see that moment when Herschel tried to shimmy away while his head was only partially attached <laughs> to his body? Because I almost didn't, what with all the tears leaking out of my face. That was one of the most awful things I have ever seen on television. Good old Herschel. Poor Herschel, man. It's, you know, watching him die was a little more difficult than I thought it would be. I am in the minority when I say that Herschel has never been my favorite character on this show. A lot of people love, love Scott Wilson's portrayal of Herschel, and they were, you know, just brutally affected by this. And I'm not saying that, you know, and and I just thought that I wouldn't be as much, but it was pretty intense, and I I felt bad. I I don't know about you. Well, I didn't. Uh, I thought, honestly, it was like finally, because I thought that uh, I thought that Herschel was going to die at the beginning of season three. Well, yeah, we've been predict, pre- uh, predicting Herschel's death for an awful long time now. Yeah, so he's uh, he's finally succumbed to the uh, you know he's shaken off his mortal coil, and uh, he's gone to a better place. I I guess, but he it 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 hit me harder than I thought it would. That's all I was saying. Yeah. All right. So we have an email uh, from Grace in New Hampshire, Shannon from the internet, Emily in Iowa, and Matt from Spokane, Washington. Yeah, basically, sorry, when I have lots of these here, the last person is the one whose email we're reading. But the other people, I just want to acknowledge that they sent in basically the same thing, but, uh, you know, can't read them all. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, I didn't uh, I didn't understand the secret code here. Sorry. Uh, that's okay. So uh, Matt from Spokane, Washington is speaking for a whole group of people that wrote in basically saying the same uh, the same sentiment. My holy crap, did you see that? Was definitely seeing the zombified form of Clara from the first episode of this season shambling towards the ruin of the prison. Uh, what a great callback and a thematic conclusion to this half of the season. So did you notice that when you were watching it? No, not until I read this. And as soon as I read this, I went back and uh, was like, oh, yeah. So she was really there, eh? 
She would, no, she was really there. She was also a featured uh, zombie shambling towards the the prison, and I'm like, well, that's got to be important for something. When I first saw it, but uh, I didn't put uh, four and four together and uh, actually make eight. I only made like seven and a half, and uh, didn't realize that it was Clara from the first uh, first episode. Yeah, I, I didn't even notice her to be honest. I guess I was just busy fo- focusing on other things. But that is cool that they put her in there, and it kind of yeah. bookends things really nicely. It was nice. So Jenkins from the Caribbean writes, holy crap, one of the walkers at the end of the episode looked exactly like Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I'm not 100% sure if Jenkins here is referring to Laurie Holden, because he spelled Laurie that way, or if he's referring to Laurie the character, Rick's wife. But okay. either way, he sent a screenshot, and I don't know if I really see the resemblance in either of them, to be honest with you. Sorry, Jenkins. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so we have an email from Sarah in BC who also carries the sentiment for Josh in Indiana. My holy crap, did you see that moment was Lizzie saving Tyrese by killing two of the governor's followers. I thought Ty was a goner for sure. When I saw who fired the shot, I actually cheered. Carol may have killed Karen, but if she hadn't trained those kids, Tyrese may have died. So this very roundabout, in a very roundabout way kind of vindicates Carol a little bit for training the kids. And now look, Tyrese was saved of all people. Did she teach them guns or did she teach them knives? Well, she taught them knives, but she instilled the survival attitude in Lizzie. I think that's what uh, Sarah here is saying. We need Shane back to teach everybody guns. Yeah, he was the gunman for sure. Um, but it's, it's an in, again, it's an interesting parallel here, you know, Carol kills someone Tyrese loves, but in this in in the same sort of act, she teaches Lizzie to survive. Carol gets banished. Lizzie saves Tyrese when it counts. You know, right? Yeah, kind of, kind of. It all comes together right there. You know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, May on the internet wrote, "Mud Zombie," a quintessential scene of zombie of the zombie genre is the corpse breaking through the grave clawed hand first. That image doesn't really fit the walking dead verse, but uh, intentional or not mud zombie was a really nice visual way to give a nod to the genre. That's true. It was fingers. His hands just came up first. And then the, the thing I loved about that scene is as he leans forward, there's so much mud on the zombie's face that you can't even see it. All you can yeah. see is like this giant worm hanging off. And and, and his mouth was full of mud too. <laughs> it was just a big mud mouth. Big mud mouth. The whole thing was nasty, but yeah. uh, I just liked how, you know, the mud didn't fall off its face as it rose. It just stuck to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, well, made, mud. which made it even more kind of frightening, I thought. Yeah. All right, so we have an email from uh, Stephen in LBC. How many people got a shot in on the Gov to contribute to his death? Uh, Carl got the first shot in. Then Rick got a few shots on him during their fight. Michonne got to stab, uh, got a stab on and left him to, left him to turn. And then Lily uh, got to end it just as cold as when he shot her daughter. So, so it's four. So you're right, I guess. Carl got a shot in at the beginning. Shot, it, shot him in the shoulder, yeah. So this is all the people, or many of them, who really had you know, a reason to want the governor dead. That's true. Um, Everybody got to take their turn. Except maybe Carl. No, Carl got the first shot. You just said that. I know he got the first shot, but but 
is there anything that happened in the past that has made Carl, you know, want the governor dead? I mean, I guess the governor attacked the prison. Yeah, and Glenn and Maggie didn't get a shot in, and they had a pretty good reason to kill him. Yeah, that's that's very true. But obviously Rick has has yeah. good reason. Michonne. Uh, obviously Michonne, good yeah. reason. And then Lily, who is his, you know, newest new girlfriend who no longer likes him. <laughs> and uh, and lost her yeah. daughter because of him is the one who put the final nail in his coffin or bullet in his brain. Yep. So pretty good. All right, Darcy from Melbourne, Australia. Now, Darcy sent in a bunch of holy craps, but I just chose this one. Michonne stabbing the governor. What were you thinking, woman? I mean, sure, you saved Rick, but leaving the governor to die without cutting him in two like she said, that was a bit stupid. She was just being cold and wanted him to turn and become a zombie. Yeah. Or get eaten by the zombies. If she hadn't said that line a few episodes ago about if he was here, I'd cut him in two, I would have been a little, I would have been more okay with it. But just having that in the back of my mind, like, I guess to her stabbing him through the chest and cutting him in two is similar enough. (laughs) Right. I don't know. But I, I kind of agree with Darcy that, I would have liked to have seen her, like, you know, maybe chop his arm off or something like that. Like, take his <laughs> take his shoulder right off or something. She's done that before, too. Yeah, exactly, you know? And he, that wouldn't kill him instantly either, but it would have been way more brutal, you know? And it would well, have been just been more, like, mutilating to him, which would have been awesome. Keep him as a pet, you know? Get him to carry your backpack around for you for a while. Make him <laughs> haul wood or water or something. Oh, talk about humiliating. Chain him yeah. up and make him haul stuff with no arms. Oh, man. <laughs> or or lower jaws. Yeah. Uh, gross. Gross. <laughs> All right, so we have an email from Frank on the internet. Has to be Daryl. The scene where he is, he's assailed by a walker, instant cutaway, then cut, cuts back to him using its skull-impaled corse, corpse as a meat shield while he takes out the shooters. Uh, then the walking badass plops a grenade into the tank's turret, uh, outs Kirk, then lands uh, a bolt into the guy's chest. Daryl is, wow, just plain effing awesome. Everybody knows Daryl's plain effing awesome already, right? Yeah. But holy crap, is he ever awesome. He's got uh, 57 huge orange clockwise spinning badass <laughs> points. <clears throat> He is clearly now in the lead. Yeah, he has clearly now got some uh, got some awesome badass points. All right, that is exciting for him. Uh, Matt from New Jersey wrote in, as did Adam, friend of the show. Adam, Matt says, "Holy crap! It took me more than one. It took more than one shot to kill a zombie." While the governor and Rick were talking, there were two zombies that came walking towards them. The governor killed the first with one shot. However, it took him two shots to kill the second. That shot. Uh, that should have been a sign that this fight was not going to end well for him. Huh. And, you know, we have often commented that everyone seems to be, everyone on this show seems to be expert marksmen who hit zombies in the head all the time, the governor included, and now suddenly he hits one in the jaw and then he hits it in the head. <laughs> so, uh, interesting. That's awesome. All right, so we have uh, Gemma from the UK, who is also carrying the sentiment of Neil from the internet. My holy crap moment was baby Judith's bloody car seat. I'm hoping she's not dead, and either Beth somehow had put her on the bus or the girls have her. Lizzie was very awesome in this episode. I feel Judith is important and little ass in, and a little ass kicker, literally. Uh, also, maybe Tara or Lily may have come across her. Yep. 
there are lots of options for the baby, but I'm still going with dead. Um, yeah, Tara and Lily. I haven't. Uh, I didn't consider that before. Now, that'd be a why do you have my baby moment in a later episode. Yeah, very much so. Um, we don't. Like, did we ever really find out what happened to Tara? No, we didn't. Eh? She. Uh, we what's didn't... her name? Gave her an out. Said, "Run. I'll find you later." And then Alicia got killed. Yeah. And Lily is still alive, as far as we know. After yep. she killed the governor, that was the last we saw of her. And yep. Tara, again, I don't think we saw her die. So she's still alive. So the sisters will par- probably find each other. And you never know. Maybe one of them took a baby. I mean, Lily did just lose her own baby. Why not steal somebody else's? True. So, or not, you know, find, because uh, the baby was abandoned, as far as she's concerned. It's You know, it's a typical, you know, I couldn't find my baby. I assumed she was dead. No, you dork, you abandoned her, and I had to, you know, take care of her. Give me back my baby or I'll kill you. Yeah. It's not your baby anymore. You abandon her. You know, it's a whole thing. It's a, <laughs> it's a whole thing. Right. Well, Mike from uh, mm-hmm. Santa Ana, California, has... Another take on the baby, he says, my holy crap moment is when Rick and Carl go looking for Judith and they find the car carrier she was in. One, highly unlikely that the carrier doesn't get knocked over when grubbing on baby. (laughs) I guess when a zombie's grubbing on baby. And two, the restraint system wasn't buckled. Either zombies are able to undo that buckle system or she was never buckled incorrectly. Or... Someone with more brain power than a zombie came, unbuckled her, and ran off carrying her. Or, uh, you know, zombies uh, are, we know they all carry residual memories, and I'm sure a lot of them were parents, and a lot of them know how to unbuckle baby seats. Uh, Yes, I hadn't thought of that, but maybe you're right. Maybe the zombie unbuckled the baby before it ate her. Well, Or, you know, maybe it uh, picked her up and carried her off into the woods, and now that baby's being raised by zombies. Oh, my God. <laughs> Raised by zombies. That's your yeah. spinoff right there. Yeah. Judith growing sure. up. On That's a her... whole movie is what that is. <laughs> Judith growing up, being raised by zombies in the forest. Wow. Yeah. All right. So we have uh, an email from Chris in Fairmont, California. Uh, Megan getting bitten by the buried walker. Herschel having his head cut off. I actually yelled, holy crap. So a couple of choice moments there from Chris in Fremont, yeah. California. James in Pittsburgh says, it's hard to pick one moment from the episode, but my holy crap moment is going to be the governor taking Herschel's head off. He didn't go for the kill, so I get the impression he wants him to suffer by looking at his one-legged body. (laughs) I'm not sure exactly what James is getting at there, but maybe he means that he cut his head half off so it would just hang down and he'd have to look at his one-legged body. He cut it off eventually, right? Oh, and then hold it up and say, look at your body. Look at that. Oh, now you man. can see it from this angle. Oh, Bastard. that's so cruel. Like when you decapitate someone and you hold their head up momentarily before they actually die. Is yeah, that is that is that true? When I don't I don't know if it's true. All right. That, there's yeah, I, I really don't know. That's one of those urban myths, you know, you everyone hears as a kid. Like when you get decapitated, you you live for 8 seconds and stuff like that. No, they say it's like a minute. What? Urban legend is like a minute. You can hold your breath for like a minute without dying. And, uh, you know, basically your brain can, uh, I don't know, it doesn't have a blood supply, who the, who the F knows. But if, if your heart stops, you got like four minutes before you get brain damage. So it is, I suppose, possible that uh, your head could live on for a little while. At least, I'm sure it's uh, quite the heck of a shock, and you probably 
wouldn't be all that conscious, but uh, it is, I guess, technically possible for your brain to live on Jeez. and be able to accept visual and audio input for a little while. Oh my God, that sounds like I don't even want to think about that. Yeah, no, it's it's very much a a, a horror nightmare that uh, I think about, or I used to think about quite a bit. <laughs> you're mor- <clears throat> you're a morose man. I was, you know, I was thinking about this kind of stuff. You know, I didn't think, hey, let's cut my head off and see. <laughs> That'd be a whole other thing, right? All right, Jason, why don't you round out Holy Crap here with uh, the last one? All right, we got Kyle from Australia. Holy crap, did you see that last shot in the episode when Rick and Carl are together and the burning prison is in the background? It's an exact replica of the last page of number 48 comic. I have not gone back to check, but I may. I mean, I know that scene. I remember that scene in the comic as they're fleeing the prison. Rick is in bad shape. Carl is, you know, dragging him along. And you do see that shot of them with the prison in the background. It didn't occur to me, though, that they would frame it in the show the same way, or as as uh, Kyle says, exactly the same way as in the comic. So definitely yeah. going to go check that out. Yeah, for sure. But, I, you know, why wouldn't they do that? I mean, it's, it's just one of those iconic moments. And uh, Scott Gimple, as we've said, seems to be following that comic very closely. So uh, he does. There you go. All right. Thanks, everyone, who sent in your holy crap moments for this episode. You know, there certainly were enough of them. And, uh, you know, you could easily argue that the entire second half of the episode was one big holy crap moment. (laughs) So uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, That is going to wrap up our podcast for now. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can call the Zomb line at 1-866-483-ZOMB. That's 9662. We are on Twitter, of course, at Talking Dead, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Jason, we'll be back on Wednesday with lots of listener feedback. I'm sure there are tons of things people want to say about this episode and discuss in much more greater detail than we have here tonight. So we'll be doing that. Um, But in the meantime, use our Amazon link when you shop at Amazon, amazon amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com. That helps us out a great deal, and we really, really appreciate everybody doing that. Um, And if you're interested in a shirt, head over to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash shirts to pick up uh, a shirt or an iPhone case or whatever you might have. You know, buy buy them for all your friends and family for the holiday season. You can all they make great gifts. Uh, Absolutely. You can all sit around, enjoy each other's company. With, uh, with our logo on your chest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds stupid when I say it out loud. It's but the holidays. It's the holiday season. Why wouldn't you want to do that, right? Yeah. That, well, I, you know, I, I bought them for all my family. Very good. Very yeah. good. I expect to see your mom wearing one in her Christmas photos this year. Absolutely. All right. Um, so as I said, we'll be back on Wednesday. After that, who knows what we're going to do. Uh, it's a mystery. It is a mystery, but we'll talk about it. We'll figure something out. I think one of the things we should do, Jason, is uh, review the latest in the Walking Dead novels, The Fall of the Governor, Part yep. 1. Part 1. That will likely be in January sometime, but, you know, I'm not saying that there won't be another podcast after Wednesdays in December. So uh, we will let you know what the plan is, and uh, it should be fun. I I look forward to it. Excellent. So for The Talking Dead, everybody, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Ciao.